This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is a special edition iFanboy podcast, Captain Marvel. Welcome to iFanboy Special Edition Captain Marvel. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. 
Are you sure it's not Marvel's Warbird <laughs> chapter part one? Marvel's Captain Marvel. And joining us is Ryan Haupt. Are you sure I'm not a scroll? We've never been sure of that. What was the first thing I made fun of you for at a comic convention? Uh, the shoes I was wearing, and those are the shoes I'm wearing right now. It's him. <laughs> we are here to talk about Captain Marvel, the latest Marvel Studios film. There'll be spoilers if you haven't watched the film yet or only spoiled, obviously. Wait, you have the same shoes? Well, I think I bought a fresh pair. Okay, that's fine. That makes more sense. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just keep going back to that well. You've spent time in the jungle. I wouldn't think they'd, they'd last that long. They don't. They fall apart after a couple of years of heavy use. But, uh, you know, I refresh them. How mad do you think Connor is right now? About the shoes? (laughs) (laughs) Go on. I I would be impressed if he kept them and used them only for podcasting. Podcasting boots. Dress for podcasting. Oh, Ryan's wearing the boots. He's got to do a show. So we're here to talk about Captain Marvel, which is the latest film in the Marvel Studios universe. And the first uh, focusing on a female hero. The second period piece, which is depressing enough. So here we go. Let's let's talk about it. So it was directed by the husband-wife team of Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, and written by many people, starring Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, co-starring Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Bill Mendelsohn as Talos, the Squirrel, Jude Law as Yon Rog, Annette Bening, a bunch of people, Clark Gregg returns, Gemma Chan, Jaimon Hunchu, and Lee Pace return from Guardians of the Galaxy. Lots of things going on here, and I want to mention before we start that I went into this movie totally blind. Me too. I hadn't seen a trailer. I hadn't seen a teaser. I hadn't seen a TV commercial. I saw a couple of flashes of imagery here and there. Obviously, you can't escape that in the modern world, but I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know who was in it beyond Brie Larson and and Samuel Jackson and Clark Gregg. I didn't know. I had no idea that uh, Drew Law was in it, Ben Mendelsohn, and Annette Benning. I didn't know any of this stuff. So it was all, it was very interesting to see Sort of it unfolds completely fresh uh, in front of me. And it led to some interesting surprises, some disappointments, not knowing what to expect. So it was, it was an interesting way to go into it. We, we talked about this with the Star Wars films. Um, and unfortunately, at this screening, I was exposed to my first Avengers Endgame trailer. I had been completely blind, uh, blind on that as well. But nothing you can do about that, I guess, at the movies. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. So what do we think of Captain Marvel? I was in much the same position. I got there and... I didn't know. I, I don't. I don't tend to know anything about this stuff. And I'd seen. I don't want to say I'd seen mixed reviews, but I had seen like all the people from comics who saw it a little earlier were all like, "This is great," but that kind of doesn't mean anything. You know, like I'd yeah. seen Jamie McKelvey was just thrilled. It's, yeah, he designed the costume. He's super close to the character. You know, it's not going to be a piece of garbage because he's saying. You know, but then I saw. You know, then the rest of the world seems like it's mixed reviews, and so I was. I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I knew that it took place in the past. For some reason, I thought it took place in the 80s, but it was more like the early mid-90s. 95. Yeah, 95. Year I graduated Calendar high school. on there, yeah. You know, I enjoyed it. I, I, like, I thought it was a lot of fun. I don't think it was my favorite of, of all of them, but it wasn't like Doctor Strange or, or what I would say Thor 2. Uh, you know, there's been so many of these now, which I know you like. but No, there's definitely a strata of, of lower-level ones. I would put Doctor Strange in that one for sure. Yeah, and Doctor Strange was like like even the bad ones are bad. No, it's a little boring. Doctor Strange, you know the first Ant Man, Hulk. Like there's like the a lower Ant-Man. level. Well, then that's the thing. You're you're you know like you're 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 uh, you're gonna be all over the place. Like you don't like Guardians of the Galaxy. I right. do. Right. Know, I really like Ant Man. Yeah. But uh, you know I put it middle, but with some things that I thought were were really good that we haven't seen. That's kind of how I would go. 
I thought it was more middling than that, and not in like an offensive way, but sort of Marvel has a formula for how it introduces characters, and this stuck to a lot of those same beats, but in the 90s, and... Wait a minute, I, this took place in the 90s? Yeah, the dream of the 90s is alive and Captain Marvel. Yeah, and I just, I wish, I wanted more than the movie ended up giving me, I think, is where I come down on it. So that's not to say that it was bad or poorly done, but I left a little bit wanting. I think I could see that in a little the way that that the first Captain America movie, where we say like the first two thirds, again, this has been so long and we all probably have different, but I, like I tend to think of that the first two thirds of that movie is great. And then the last third of it is just a lead up to what he's going to do in the Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be off putting. I loved that movie. I did, but I was, I was like, Oh, there's, there feel like there was, there's more to be done here. And I think that Captain Marvel does have that feeling a little bit. And I know that That's the interesting Avengers- cause I don't, I don't think that at all because, because of the period piece aspect of it. It's not like she's racing towards, and I know that Captain America is the same thing, but I feel like if you watch this movie in a vacuum, mm-hmm. and this is like the first movie Marvel ever made, I think you have a complete story here. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, we know that she's heading off, and eventually Fury's going to punch that beeper button, and it's going to call her to help with Thanos. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know that, I think there's actually a complete arc here. I, I like this. I didn't think it was perfect, but and there are definitely quibbles and problems I had, but I really found myself enjoying the sort of bizarre offbeat tone which at first yeah, I thought was off-putting. So not Thor Ragnarok offbeat tone. No, this was more like she was doing uh, Brie Larson's choices were very she's not your typical heroine. She's kind of odd. And I liked that. Yeah. At first I was off-put by it for the first 10 minutes and then I really was like, no, I actually like what she's doing here. And also Bill Mendelsohn's uh, Talos was the same way. It was sort of like everyone was a little kind of wacky. Which scrolls are supposed to be wacky. So that I that I was excited I- to see and happy about. But I, I felt I felt the same thing you felt with Bree's performance right at the very beginning. And then I also just I in thinking about the actual structure of the movie, it hews very closely to the first Thor movie. Like you have a, a person, a hero type character who's not fully formed yet in a far off, wacky, fantastical world. They end up flung to Earth. They get a plucky Earth sidekick. They realize the true source of their power. They defeat the bad guy. They go back to space. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's their their very successful formula they just plug them into but i thought this was there was enough interesting bits here that made it really fun to watch i had a really good time watching this i thought she was really fun i thought samuel jackson was a fun like they were a fun team yeah she was an interesting choice because i know she she won an oscar right yeah yeah for the room room. i really like i didn't really like room Mm -hmm. i was like i I watched it and i was like it's fine but like it didn't really do a lot for me and so She's a little bit of a blank slate for me. I know she was like like Scott Pilgrim, but I don't think mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen a lot else with her in it. So I didn't really know what to expect to her, but I think that it made her a really good fit for this role mm-hmm. because Captain Marvel's an interesting – she's a little different character. She's not quite like all the other Marvel heroes, and she's been through a lot of my, – my first my first real you know time with her would have been when Kurt Busiek was writing Avengers in the yeah. – you know, early 2000s, late 90s, and she was Warbird. Like, that's when I first got to know her. And I think that character is pretty much who she is now. She's been through a couple of different things through there. And I like her, and she's sort of got all this power. And so you know, then the other side of that is there is a a subtle but apparent feminist message mm-hmm. that I was kind of looking to see how they would do it, which is very similar how it was done in um, Wonder Woman. In fact, it may have even been more subtle. Is the fact that 
other than in her little flashbacks where people are like, you can't do this, yeah. which wasn't necessarily ascribed to the fact that she's a woman. It was it was hinted at a couple of times. The pilot thing definitely was. That was about all of the recognition of her gender. Mm-hmm. And other than that, she was just who she was. She was, you know, that soldier. And then she became very, very powerful. And it was just about being a hero. And I thought that that was kind of cool. I thought that worked really well. And because she was... I don't know. Like I, she's kind of a blank slate for me. I thought she could build a character based on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think that worked out really well in a way that was felt unique from the other Marvel characters. Her jokes weren't the same kinds of jokes. You know that yeah. that type of it's not a Tony Stark that, humor. Oh, it's a, it's yes. a, it's it's a it's a weird. It's like if you met her in person, you'd be like, she's weird. But yeah, I like her. People are like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was that was a fun, interesting choice as a as a lead. Like you know. Wonder Woman's very serious, but so they put funny people around her. It's it's the high bar women have to face on unfairly that they you know is she going to be yeah. sexy or charming or funny? But she has this weird energy around her, which I really found appealing. And from a character shoot standpoint, I found myself thinking again as I do all with a lot of these solo films, what is she going to be like in the group dynamic? Because there's no one else. None of the other characters are like her. She's not goofy like Ant Man. She's not goofy like Iron Man. She's funny in a different way. And, and partially because she maybe spent six years living um, amongst the Kree, but she's but the, the thing that makes that interesting about her is that she's like one of those powerful ones. Yeah, and gives no bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I liked. It's funny because at first um, I was like, so she can't fly. They take that <laughs> away from her, and I really like the slow rollout of her power of her developing into her you know powerful self. I thought that was very satisfying. It's funny. I'm walking, the out, of the th- walking out of the theater. Sorry, well, I'll get to you, Ryan. Walking out of the theater, the first thing I heard was, I have no idea what her powers are. That was an issue. They also never actually named her Captain Marvel throughout the course of the movie. That's not unusual, though. That's happened with other characters, and I can't think of who exactly at the moment, but that's not <laughs> And he really was an Incredible Hulk. Right. And the, the powers thing is a little frustrating, and I think following from that frustration of not being quite sure what the powers were, because I never knew what her power levels were from moment to moment, I was never actually convinced that she was in any danger. And I know that this is also a problem that all prequels suffer that like they're not gonna Nick Fury's not gonna die, but they're gonna hint and tease about his eye all movie, which I rolled both of my functioning eyes at. Well, I mean, after that Han Solo thing, I thought they were gonna do that because they do it re- really early on he gets punched in the eye. but they only did it at the end. Like it wasn't like it was like, kept coming up they, it never came up again really till the cat scratched him in the eye and he lost the eye which is the least macho way to, to lose the eye yeah and then speaking of like the cat that finally did in nick fury's eye my theater i don't know how your guys' theater were reacting during the movie the theater i was in loved that stupid cgi cat oh yeah the cats are oh, yeah. everyone who do, the cats are on the internet people love cats i don't particularly care about or like cats but people do and it was cute. the man and, with allergies yeah the man with really bad allergies but it was cute. It was funny. It was in zero G, and the joke about the how look very good a lot of the time. There was a bit of that. I mean, well, I thought the guy in general actually didn't look great in this movie. Well, you have a very you have the very obvious de aging CGI, which works for a scene or two, but it's harder through the course of a film. I thought it worked better with Sam Jackson than it did with Clark Gregg. Yes, it looked a little plasticky, but then at least they kind of riffed on that by making it a scroll in disguise. Spoiler only partially. Um, so- I know, but it, for me, I was like, okay, like I can forgive him looking a little funky if he also wasn't really himself, anyways. But yeah, it did look better for for Nick Fury than. Well, the problem, with, well, the only problem with Nick was that he's 
you know, Sam Jackson's 70, so he moves like a 70-year-old who's also... Like, I saw that, you know, like, during the fight, I was yeah. like, oh. Or even we, whenever stop. he had to run, he was just like... Yeah, running running in the, like, records room. Yeah. He, he just... didn't stop Spike Lee from jumping up and trying to kill him at the Oscars. <laughs> right. You know, the real problem with uh, Sam Jackson in this was, 1995, shit had the Jules wig. That's what he should have looked like in this. <laughs> You're right. They really blew an opportunity here. I'm the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's a bad motherfucker. They were funny together. You know, Nick Fury isn't quite Nick Fury at this point. I liked that. Him trying to figure her out, her trying to figure him out, and then sort of realizing they're good, they're good partners was, was really fun. I like their relationship a lot. Um, it's also the first time that Sam Jackson's actually had like a, a story role. In one of these movies, he's been uh, in all of Avengers. Them. He was, you know, yeah. In, I mean, in, to a certain Captain, extent, and Captain America was probably the biggest one. Winter Soldier, when he he had the. But you didn't, you didn't get a lot of sort of his character in any of that stuff. Like this one, he talked about you know himself a little. Like that was it humanized him, and it's interesting because he wouldn't do that now. You know, the super agent of Shield guy, mm-hmm. but this version of him might a little bit. So he was a little more human, which I think is going to help. You know, when Captain Marvel comes back, like they will have a relationship that maybe is a little warmer than his relationship with everybody else, where sure. he's much more cold. And I, I, I they think don't, that they don't actually, trust him. You know, the other yeah, version. they know he's true. got a plan, but they don't. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's such a good dynamic. This movie made me sad for the loss of Shield as a agency in the movies. I mean, I know that they they take them out of the movies for various uh, stupid reasons, and uh, it it was it's fun to have them. It's fun to have. You know, Agent Coulson in the mix, and it's fun to have this, this shadowy organization in the background, and uh, it's fun to have uh, Nick Fury around. This movie led me to this conclusion that I'm still working on. I'm still researching it, but let's just going to try this out here. Phil Coulson is the Wedge Antilles of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> just, just roll that around for a while. Mm-hmm. Come back to me. Let the internet work with it. I'm still working on it myself. I'm not fully convinced, but I had the thought, and I haven't, I haven't knocked it down yet. So, you know, we, we open up in media res, you know, Carol is living on, living with the Cree and Hala and Hala. doesn't know if she's going by the name of Veers, Veers, she doesn't know who, they don't know who she is or that's the name she goes was by. That, she, she, was that a Star Wars reference, by the way? <laughs> I mean, they, they pronounce it, they, you'd think they'd just call her Veers, but Veers seemed like a Star Wars reference. And she's part of sort of an elite Kree hit squad led by Jan Rog, played by Jude Long. That includes uh, Karath, who's Jaiman Hunchu, and and uh, Minerva, who's Jimma Chan. Who I was expecting to be more of a factor because Minerva is a big character in the books, and Jimma Chan just came off of Crazy Rich Agents, but she was hardly in it at all. And then she gets killed, which is a surprise. I liked her though. She was great. I just thought she'd. I thought she'd be like elevated. There wasn't much to it. Not knowing anything about the story, my as 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 unfolding, I think okay. Jude Law's going to die early, and then Minerva's going to take over as the badass because she's they're promoting her in the posters, and but that never happened. She sort of stayed in the background, and so then you know slowly Captain Marvel or or Carol finds out something is wrong here. She ends up stranded on Earth, and that's when she starts to slowly find out that she is an Earthling who was uh, captured by the Kree after she was imbued with the power of whatever that thing was, the light speed drive or whatever by or. the original. Uh, not Captain Marvel in this case, but the original Marvel, which was a nice twist, I thought, played by Annette Benning, because that's a gender yeah. switch from the comics. So that, that I didn't obviously didn't see that coming because of that. And I was like, is that Annette Benning? And I thought, well, oh, she really let herself age because yeah, she she's not great. that old. Yeah, no, she does, but like, she, like she just looks like a woman who's her age. And I was like, oh, that's that's good. I like that. It's always better. I, it's funny. Cause it upsets me though because I remember when she like 
became a thing and she was like the hot actress mm-hmm. you know like before she married war and i was like oh i'm old <laughs> it's just bad and then we we, we flash back we start, we start to learn about carol's life and we see her her best friend maria rambo and then we meet her like 10 year old daughter monica rambo as we know is the next captain marvel yeah at first i was like why did they change that's awesome she's photon but why did they change her oh cool. <laughs> so it'll be so you know if you take the time jump that would put uh, Monica, uh, you know, in her 30s in the modern time, so that she could be involved in the story if they chose to go that way, which would be awesome because her character, the little girl, was cute. And she was, that was a fun, you know, sort of aunt uh, niece kind of relationship. I mean, it was solid, and I don't mean solid to sound bad. It was really, I had a really good time watching it. Um, I, I enjoyed it more as it went along. Yeah, that was definitely the case. And unfortunately, from at least Josh and I, one of our favorite actors, Lee Pace, continues to be really terrible as Ronan. I'm okay with that in this, though, because it's the one role where he's like, I'm just going to pulp the shit out of this <laughs> and let it be. Like, it's what it's, it's kind of what it's supposed to be. It doesn't bother me. I, right. I, and it's like, and now, now, Connor, he was bad in The Hobbit, too. I, too I, as well, not just the I fell asleep in The Second Hobbit, never saw the third one. Uh, I've seen them all. I meant, I meant The Hobbit as well, not The Hobbit number the, two. I'm just saying, I, I, I get what you're saying. I'm saying I don't remember anything about those movies. I've seen them several times. He is terrible in all of them. I have but, a question for yeah. you, too. Not his fault. Yes. Um, so, you know, you were you attained adulthood in the 90s, from what I understand. Whoa! Uh, a form of it. <laughs> how did this movie work as a 90s period piece to, to either? I, I thought that was the worst part of the movie, was that... I thought, okay. They really hit you over the head that it was the 90s every five minutes. And this uh, is like, I, I, I... Well, yeah, I mean, other than them saying it, though, and the soundtrack... Well, these... Oh, you've, uh, you know, here's a beeper. And, you know, like... Yeah, here's, but here's, her, like, here's the uh, you know nascent internet and her, I thought that was I thought some of it was funny. It was, it was funny individually. But I just thought every disc- five minutes. It wasn't like in the '40s for Captain America every five minutes. They were like, "Here's Glenn Miller." Yeah, you know, it's just they, maybe, but like the bit where the disc wouldn't like took a long time to load. God, I like that bit. My theater was laughing a lot at that. I did not. Yeah. I thought that that wasn't super hilarious, but whatever. I remember that though. Uh, like I think that. I think that the problem is that some of the choices were obvious and not subtle. Like, they, I think you're probably right that I didn't really notice it as it bothered me. But I, the, when she put on her, her 90s grunge outfit, I was like, that's a little – that nine-inch nail shirt's a little on the nose. And it's worn out, which is weird, which I guess would have been a thing that you probably could have bought in L.A. at the time. Right. I actually thought – I think the idea behind the all – Email '90s alternative soundtrack is kind of a good one, mm-hmm. but I kind of also felt like, oh, well, those songs are all obvious choices. They had Nirvana too. I know, I know, but that was all. And, he, and you know, he wrote the whole song. I mean, not officially, but come on. But like, other than that, you know, some of that stuff was a little too on the nose with me. I'm just a girl. It's like, all right, you can you can do better than this. But also, it's a popular movie, yeah. and most people are actually like, I we lived that stuff, so we heard it all the time. So maybe not that bad. But that I was, lived that was it, man. Bad. Well, it's true, which is <laughs> horrifying. Can I talk about can I talk about the thing that I really like the most about the movie though? Sure. So because I didn't know anything that was going on, we start out and, and I, I don't know Captain Marvel's story all that well. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever read her origin in a comic book. I know that, you know, some of the basic things about it and the gist, but not really the details of it. I know that she has a problem with the Kree. But being as we have through all the comics, the scrolls are the bad guys. Right. And the twist that in this, the scroll, this is the, the spoiler, and the scrolls are not the bad guys. Right. 
I thought was really good and really unexpected. I really like the Skrulls. I loved seeing them on screen. I liked the paranoia around them. And then I liked the twist that they're not necessarily the bad guys. I was a mixed um, feelings on that because I did like the twist. It was unexpected. I did not see it coming. It was reminiscent of the Iron Man 3 twist that we all loved and everyone else hated about the Mandarin. Right, right. However, I think the Skrulls are terrific villains. So I think more nuance in them yeah. would have been interesting. Like some of them are – like maybe well, the, just this refugee group is – not evil, that's, but there are evil scrolls. And that's the way I took it, to be honest with you. Okay. Because there's still an option for evil scrolls in the, the war that's going on. And and there's it's all about perspective and point of view. I, I the thing is, like you have Ben Mendelssohn is a bad guy and creep and everything. Mm-hmm. And so when he shows up, you go, Well, then he's the bad guy. Right. So by making him not that, it subverts expectations. And once that reveal happened, he got weird and wacky too, and I loved every bit of that. Yeah, and I think that fit. Yeah. There was there was a little bit of like in the beginning when he was pretending to be the head of shield guy and the order was, you know, kill or, you know, cap, you know, whichever, you know, shoot on sight. I thought, well, why is he so violent there and why is he coming around and he just do this in the beginning? Right. This is the only part of that that didn't quite sit with me. It let us have that scene. But it maybe if that had never happened, then would the plot have changed? And the answer is no. No. She, she, I mean, she felt compelled to really help him because of that. She heard that. But that was really. Right. It didn't really make a ton of sense that he would do that. Right. I mean, I guess it's just it's just desperation to not get found out at that point. Yeah, but but either way, like there is something valuable about the idea that the that we automatically think the green ugly guys are the bad guys, and they're not for sure. And I think that that's going to upset some of the people who are upset about some of the diversity issues that we see in things. But also, all the Cree people are a hundred thousand different colors too. So. I really want to see the big brain supreme intelligence. Yeah, I was really hoping we'd get that. <laughs> Bummer. Bummer. I think they did a really good job of making the Kree also seem pretty alien, even mm-hmm. though they're humanoid. I thought that was really good. Well, they had blue skin or they had really intense eyes, and so that worked. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I enjoy those cosmic stories. I'm not the biggest cosmic expert, but right. as much as I didn't really like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, I think that it brings an interesting dynamic to the world, and I think this was a fun... You know, a really different kind of yeah Marvel story. This isn't. It took place a lot of it on in space, and and yeah. for that reason, you get a different dynamic. I liked that bit. I liked the whole third act when they you know stole the ship and had went into space mm-hmm. and had a, a big battle on spaceship battle. And, and I also know. really liked that like her power set is impressive mm-hmm. in a way that they've sort of I was gonna say neutered some of the other characters. Like Thor is supposed to be the most powerful, but he's kind of not right. He's really strong. I think they've said that Captain Marvel is the most powerful person in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I like that. And yeah, I, yeah I, I like that, that They too. demonstrated it. And I think that when she mixes with the other people and she has to go against Thanos, I think there's there's weight to that. And I think that it's a, it, it was presented well. I think that's going to be good. Let's talk about the first mid credit sequence in which – Well, because uh, well, it's related to her as an Avenger. You know, we, they, we see the Avengers, the surviving ones, basically the original Avengers plus Rhodey looking at, you know – the the death, the death toll and trying to figure out who's left and then and then uh, the Captain Marvel beeper that was activated at the end of the last Avengers films loses power and stops beeping and they they're trying to figure out how to turn it back on because they don't know what it means but they know at least Fury was trying to call someone so they should figure it out and then oh, that was a great little whip pan over to her standing behind them it was like a shot out of a horror movie I thought it was great and she had this weird no, it's sort really of cool blank expression like where's Fury after that I was pumped for the next Marvel movie I was like. And her costume was slightly different too. 
Uh, was it? I didn't know. I didn't notice that. Well, one. it's been a while. Exactly, but yeah, it was the same color scheme, but there was some of the detailing. Like I, I noticed around the shoulders was different than when she had left Earth originally. But it made me really pumped for Endgame, and that's cool. She's a good addition to the team. Yeah, and she'll be a fish out of water. She hasn't been on Earth in the nineties. Yeah, there's a lot of good that can come of the, that sort of change. Like I know that you know everybody's going to start aging out of these roles. You know, well, I mean, not just. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of change after Endgame. Yeah, but that's fine. Like, how many movies are there? Twenty-one. 100. Captain Marvel is twenty-one. And this is the first one that's a female lead. Yeah, Ant Man and the Wasp is the first one that had a female yeah. character in the title. Yeah, but that's crazy, by the way. Yeah, and it's still one of those things. Like, part of me can't help but feel it was the same thing when I saw The Force Awakens. I was like, little girls are going to have like a rad action hero. Yeah, and it's still so rare that I'm 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 really impressed by that. Like, I think that's such a cool thing for you know kids to have. And not just and I, her, you know, but also Maria Rambeau's badass yeah. pilot in this, and she's cool and yeah. They have a fun uh, friendship. That was actually one thing I thought was lacking. I wanted a little bit more of the Top Gun, these two women as pilots bucking I the agree. system. I, I wanted one. Well, they didn't really buck the system, though. They they were rele- relegated to sort of non-combat. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. But I wanted one at least terrestrial ba- sh- airplane-based dogfight, and I didn't get that. And I was a little disappointed. You know what? The, you know what's cool? Like, sort of based on that, uh, I, was at, I was at Disney World last week, and I saw a lot of kids in Captain Marvel stuff. Not just girls, boys and girls. Awesome. Uh, in Captain Marvel shirts and sweatshirts and like gear, and I was like, "That's rad. That's a whole new thing I've never seen before." And and that's really cool. And it's like, you know, she's kind of a Superman character. I was just gonna yeah. say that she's she's you know she's got the bright colors thanks to Jamie McKelvey's redesign, and she she has the Superman power set. So she's sort of as much as Captain America is the spiritual su- Superman, yeah. and, and Thor might be you know closer to Wonder Woman. She's sort of the Superman character. Yeah. That it, it, comes this, it comes with the ish. same challenges, but you have to you deal with that as as, yep. as writers. I mean, it's a challenge that Ryan talked about earlier, where you, there was never really any sense that she was in danger. But you deal with that in different yeah. ways. You give them different problems to deal with. I like the end when you know, it's just her and Jude Law, and you think they're going to have a callback to their original fist fight, and she just blows them away like Indiana Jones. <laughs> I did again. Th- that was a thing. She, he's like, turn it all off, and, and she's like, she's not stupid. Why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> that? I thought that was a really good choice. I had a really good time, uh, as much as I really had to pee during the movie, and was near the end distracting. But again, the casting continues to be strong for these movies. I came around on her, but everybody else, you know, they're all big time act, good actors, and uh, it really helps these films mm-hmm. a, a lot. I'm looking for. I'm, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do next to her because obviously that'll, that'll be informed by. They could either continue her story in the present day after Avengers, or they can go back because she's got, you know, however many twenty five years of, or twenty years of, uh, you know, space battles they can go back to Kree Skull, Kree Skull War stuff. It was also nice to see a Marvel movie that wasn't just Georgia supposed to be California, right. supposed to be Wakanda, supposed to be Virginia. Like, give me, <laughs> give me a movie that actually is filmed in some places other than Georgia. Thanks, Marvel. And this one was it. Like, I think the the California desert stuff was actually filmed in Australia, but it looked very convincingly, you know, deserty. Yeah. It didn't look there like they were on a. There was definitely some LA there, and they were actually in Louisiana. Yep, they were actually in Louisiana too, and that I I appreciated the diversity of settings and the, the settings didn't just look green screened in when I thought that, you know, I, I, as I said earlier, I thought some of the special effects in this movie weren't quite up to snuff. I, I wanted to make a joke about like, well, they use the special effects in the nineties too. They're not that bad. It's just, I didn't, 
I was a little surprised based on I did watch the trailers. I remember thinking in the trailers, like, oh, I hope those aren't the final effects. I hope they're still I hope they're still polishing and rendering some better versions of those. And maybe they were a little better, but I, I wasn't completely blown away by those. I'm really glad that there was other than Coulson and Fury, there wasn't like you running into teenage, you know, Tony Stark. And obviously he wouldn't be a teenager, but you know what I mean? Like I'm just happy that there yeah. wasn't like a situation where they I wanted ran I did want to see like a dossier when he was going through his dossiers at the at the end and i did see somebody comment in a review about how like finally we know the origin of the paperwork that began the avengers initiative and i'm like all right that's a you know the scene doesn't fall that flat as the reviewer made it sound but it is kind of a a fair point that it was like a build up to a piece of paper and when he's got his like little dossier and he's flipping through it and he sees some stuff about carol i did really want there to be like uh never recovered captain america's body file and like uh how's that arc reactor going at stark industries file right I, I, like he's keeping track of everything you yeah you could have well, done some that would be that. like his next month because he only gets the idea to start doing that from from carol so then he Fair has enough. to start this cert- so actually my question that i had during the movie which i'm hoping you guys have a better memory than i do what is the arc of the tesseract i was thinking about that a lot okay, it was so lost in the arctic with cat so it's re- yeah it's recovered from a, like a norse church in yep. the first first Four. captain america movie captain america uh, by the red skull and then it, it sucks the red skull through a portal to that planet in infinity war and then it gets left on earth um from there so and- at the beginning of avengers one yeah it's where is it? Had it it's in a shield facility loki had they had it. it they've had it since yeah. i guess since no. they've had it since no, yeah. at the end of the first Avengers, Thor takes it to Asgard. No, 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 but this is before that. So Yes. So it goes down in the water with Cap. It's recovered by... This is where it gets confusing, because it goes down in the water with Cap, and they, they find him when they find the Tesseract. And then that goes to uh, Annette Benning. But... No, it couldn't have gone down in the water with Cap, otherwise Project Pegasus wouldn't have had it. That's the confusing thing. Cause didn't it go? Didn't it? Didn't they find no, it at the beginning of Captain America it, along with his it body? Have, it must have stayed at the base where Tommy Lee Jones and Peggy were at the end of Captain America. Because we went down in the ice. Because Cap's still frozen in in Captain Marvel, and yeah. Annette Bening, Marvel needed access to the cube, so it must have been in government custody from the end of World War II up to the '90s, where it's exposed on the Kree ship. I thought for sure they found him and the Tesseract together. I don't yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. You're right. It powered the ship. So they found the Tesseract, but they were unable to find Steve. In yeah, because I think the Tesseract stayed at the base, and then Steve took no, off. No, no. It was it would it went down with the ship. They, but Stark yep. found the Tesseract on the ocean floor. I remember. I have a, I have a memory of them plucking it off the floor. Okay. So Howard Stark found the Tesseract. Just given it to government because then Project right. Pegasus was a government project, right? And that's right. how Marvel got it. In my head, the the memory of them finding the Tesseract was when they found Steve, but it was before they found Steve in no. the forties. So that's what it was. Okay. So then she had it. Then the cat has it. The cat pukes it up. So then Shield has it. So when we get to the first Avengers movie, that's where it is. Nick Fury's in charge of it. And then at the end of the first Avengers, it goes to Asgard. And then in the third Thor movie, Loki steals it from the Asgardian vault. And then Loki gives it to Thanos. Thanos turns it into infinity stone. Cause that was what Julie asked me. She's like, where's that now? And I'm like, it's on the gauntlet. It's one of the stones. Right. Right. Base stone. I believe it's had quite a, quite a life. Isn't it energy? Quite a MacGuffin. 
It's not space. Space one is the purple one, isn't it? Purple one's power. Oh, Christ. That doesn't Red mean anything. Red one's reality. Yeah, you know better than me already, I can tell. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> the Tesseract one is like, blasts things. No, the Tesseract is what lets him like teleport around through space. I know, but it let the Red Skull make all the energy weapons. It makes well, it's, Captain I, I Marvel mean, shoot out it's, it's power. basically any plasma and energy. I'm pretty sure the purple one's the power one. But we don't have... I mean, I feel like it, it's a power source. And in the same way that like I could strip out the wiring that powers an electric door, a portal through space, and use it to zap people, that's not the correct use of it, but I could do that. People are screaming right now, so... Hold on, let's blue. Just, let's, yeah. All right, so the Tesseract is, oh my God, why can't I find this? Blue, original color, Margot. Space it's Stone. Space. It's a Space Stone? Got it. Got it in one. <laughs> I, I had no doubt when you said it. I was like, he's definitely right. Uh, the Reality Stone is red. It doesn't make any ether. sense. The Soul Stone is orange. The Mind Stone is yellow. The Purple Time is Stone is green. Stone. Yep. Red is reality. Yeah, I'm not looking at anything. I, this is just in my brain cells. I am looking. It's just so. strange that the, that the the tesseract, the blue one, the cosmic cube, as we used to call it when it was when it had a cooler name, is the space stone because it's always blasting people. In comics, it's different. The blue one is the time gem in the comics. And in and yeah, and in the comics, the cosmic cube has the ability to remake reality, so it should be the reality stone. But the reality stone is the red stone, which is the weird MacGuffin from Thor two that I don't even remember the ether. I believe it was yep. called. None yep. of this makes any sense. And it's the one that <laughs> it's the one that Benicio del Toro had, and then at the well, it was the one Benicio del Toro had the Power Stone in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh-huh. and then the Asgardians at the end of Thor two gave him the Reality Stone, and then which Thanos he then, that which was then stolen, which yeah, from Thanos. Right. This is very confusing. We're here right. to help you, Connor. I'm just saying. Do we do we have this movie covered? But, but, at the time is there anything else look at the uh, time any other uh, thoughts i, I mean I, it's fun there she's fun i'm looking forward to more captain marvel uh, i had a good, good time i think it's a complete story but your, your mileage may vary um yeah i walked i walked out happy and i thought oh kids are gonna like watching this i'm gonna you know like it's a good time i really liked seeing it was a she had a different kind of power set that the other sort of uh her powers were not confusing to me by the way she blasts out energy. She can use it to shoot things, or she can use it to fly. But she that seems to be herself. Well, in the beginning, she uses yeah. the she uses the blast to fly, but by the end, she's just flying. Right, but she's well, just basically she just projecting out energy. How to project it down down out of right. feet, right? Instead of her hands. Well, kind of. She kind of has an aura around her because at the end, she doesn't she doesn't need the mask to be in space. She kind of has that's the energy. Right, but she's not project. She's not blasting it. It's just sort of she's sort of like a Green Lantern now. It's sort of it does it does it all. Or Cannonball from the X Men. Yeah. Either way, I liked I liked that she wasn't like I liked her power. So I liked that she's going to be more powerful than everybody else. I like how that's going to fit in. I thought she was an interesting character. It was fun to watch. The costume looked really good. And I, liked, I, I, liked I liked the little this. costume in jokes when she was when she was figuring out what color to make it. And so there was a lot mm-hmm. of different crease shoots, and there was one that was sort of looked like DC's Captain Marvel suit. And there was one that looked like her Ms. Marvel costume. Yeah. In, in the coloring, it yeah. you know kept her covered, but. All right, so there you go. There's Captain Marvel, the latest. So should we rank all Toy Bone films? No. Yep. <laughs> um, that's the latest from Marvel Studios. If you want to talk about it, you can go to fmy.com. There'll be a post for the show, and you can let tell us what you thought. And then we'll be back. In about a month, there's three films coming out. We've got Shazam, the first week of April, 
Hellboy the week after that, and then two weeks after that is Avengers Endgame, which is the next part of the Marvel story. And we'll be back talking about that in some form or another. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. And I'm Ryan Old Bones Haupt. That's my call sign, guys. Ooh, Old Bones. made.